Buzz Talk Business, talking to you about the real stories and connecting real with people with real life. This is Buzz Talk Business. We're talking by two lovely people here. It's Willow's Coffee House. It's Check for Houses. Your names? Beth. And Paul. So nice to have you here on this podcast today. So thank you very much indeed for joining us. So tell me a little bit about it. How did it all begin? I think it begins with you, doesn't it, Paul? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, formed the business back in 2010, so our 11th year now. Um, I started off buying properties sort of early millennium, really, um, while working different sector and sort of trying to get onto the property market and things like that. And then had a uh, an early midlife crisis, I'd like to point out. And uh, <laughs> worked in the corporate world, um, sort of 2008 or so, really. And I'd always wanted to work for myself. How did you come to this decision to do something like this then? Um, I was travelling a lot, working away, yeah, yeah, loads of stuff in the sort of cor- more corporate world. And then decided I wanted, always wanted to work for myself. I'd done a few years, felt I built up the knowledge of running a sort of being involved in running a business and things like that. And decided I wanted to work for myself and where did I think there was an opportunity in the market and what did I like doing? Um, where did I think I could sort of start a business without huge operating costs initially sort of thing? And um, what did I like doing? And I'd been buying and selling properties, obviously done not too bad on a personal level sort of thing. And thought, well, actually the way the market's going, people are looking online now, the internet, no, this is so you know, way 07 to 08 really. And then came up with the, with the concept really of thinking actually more people are looking online sort of thing. Um, then looked around, looked at some franchises and things like that, um, decided they wasn't quite right for me and decided to do it all myself from scratch, which then took a bit longer, as you can probably imagine. It's quite a massive thing, isn't it? So I suddenly <coughs> decided to become an estate agent and just not in a traditional sense, <laughs> in an online sense. Yeah, everyone said I was mad, to be fair. And, you know, but, all joking apart, then, you know, this was sort of into 09, just literally after the market crashed, 2008, if you can remember back to that point. But everyone says, you know, you'll be mad, the market's going down over the house. But I said, yeah, but this is the time to to do it. And personally, it fitted in right with myself at the time without massive you know, commitments and kids and things like that sort of scenario. Um, so I thought, well, yeah, I'll give it a go. You know, nothing to lose within reason. And if it doesn't work, I can always get another job. OK, so day one, you're sitting there at home in front of a desk with a pen in your hand. What happened? <laughs> well, I picked up my mobile, rang the number to see if the phone was actually still working. I'm like, see, that's an important yeah, yeah, top yeah. tip. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, so yeah, no, then yeah, obviously looking back now, we could have done things a bit quicker, a bit you know, a bit um, faster. So we launched in the April. Well, we, we the business was formed the April for the financial year. We finally launched in the June because all web designers never do it as fast as they say they're going to do it, and it takes a bit longer. Funny enough. Um, yeah, even we even didn't have it in the paper. That was an interesting one. And then got our first house in the August. So you got your first house on in August? Yep. Where was that? That was in Ash. And uh, basically the guy sort of said, um, well, if you think you can do it for that amount of money, and um, I'll take a gamble on you, really. And then, yeah, then we sold it um, pretty much within a couple of weeks or so, if I can remember. And then gradually moved on from there, sort of thing. And then our first real break came through when we did a... Um, did some work in the high sh- in um, shopping centres. Did focus on Fleet and Farnborough to get the brand out a bit more, sort of thing. Um, and that sort of thing, which we in hindsight, which we'd done it a bit earlier, but that sort of got us got a little bit of a lift off, sort of thing. Really. Yeah, all of life is learning, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Mm. So, what what's the format and what happens? We kind of ring up or we email you, and then so exactly the same as a more 
traditional high street. We offer exactly the same services sort of thing, except we don't have to shop on the high street. So everything is done online, um, you know, but we're advertising exactly the same places. We operate in terms of floor plans, photographs, viewings, but we offer different options. So whereas we've noticed massively in the last 12, 14 months now, where a lot more people now would like to do the viewings themselves. We've always offered that package from day one. So we've offered a fixed fee package, uh, a sort of a payment up front package, a refund package, and a no-sell-no-fee package. The no-sell-no-fee package sort of is basically the same as the high street, but on average about a third, between a half and a third of their price sort of thing. Or we offer the fixed fixed fee packages as well. So we offer low-cost fixed fee, refund, no-sell-no-fee to try and give everyone a choice. Because most agents come along and it's X percentage, take it or leave it. Mm. And they always conveniently forget to mention those three little letters, V-A-T as well, which, mm. is, ironically, mm. which is always tagged on at the end sort of thing. Do you have a tie-in time? Um, flexible on that. So we have on one of the fixed fee packages is no, um, it's a one-off fee and we've offered it from day one and there's no tie-in at all. Um, but there's also no limit on it. So if someone, and we've had it sadly where someone's been gone on the market, been taken in a few weeks later, had to come off the market and we've said, that's fine. Just call us back whenever, you know, you've paid us the one-off fee and we'll put it back on the market, you know, and whether it's a week, month, even a year or so, even longer, you know. Then we have uh, the refund package, which is, has a six-month time period, or the no-sell, no-fee. We're quite flexible. You know, we will give people what we say is an honest, realistic valuation, and we'll just ask them to give us what they think is a fair and reasonable period of time. What we don't do is overvalue and then knock on the door. 14 days later, go, I think we've got it wrong, you need to knock the price down. We'll never be calling you to say, oh, we think we've got it wrong, you need to get the price down, which is one of the oldest tricks in the I was going to say, that's one of the strategies, isn't it? <clears throat> it's one of the oldest tricks in the mm-hmm. Overvalue property tie you into a long-term contract and tell you we've got 50 people on our imaginary database. Mm. Oh, somebody's driven past and seen it. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, so the last year has been a bit challenging. Uh, it's been busy, yeah. Mm. Can't remember much of the last year, to be honest with you. It's been absolutely chaos. Yeah. Has it? It's been, yeah, bit busiest, busiest 12 months by a long way. Is that yeah. because of the stamp duty? Yeah, absolutely. So started off, if you can remember, Brexit. Remember, used to talk about Brexit. No. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> so, what was that word? Yeah, yeah. Someone We're said to me last year, Can we bring Brexit back. We're moving along the alphabet, aren't we? Being now, see. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah. Obviously, after the election, 2019, January started off very well. Last year, you know, the Boris bounce, as they called it. You know, traditionally March, April, May is our, you know, is the sort of the busy, busiest period of the year generally. And we started off thinking great, you know, into uh, January, February, first couple of weeks of March, going really well. You know, thinking, and we have got to the busiest period yet, one really positive sort of thing. And obviously then, you know, we all know what happened sort of in the middle of March. Then, obviously, you know, we were collectively, you know, we because we've always worked from home, we've always been totally flexible. We were able to carry on. We just couldn't physically come to people's houses. But from a sales progression, communicating, we could carry on as normal sort of thing. Whereas more traditional agents obviously struggle with that because they're so used to putting the sandwich board on the pavement, you know, Telephones are screwed to the desk, computers are screwed to the desk, and all of a sudden, oh, well, well we can't go to the office, so what are we going to do? We'll just leave the answer machine on, sort of thing. Mm. Anyway, we managed to carry on, um, and luckily, unfortunately, we were only locked down till the middle of May for the property industry, so, you know, to be fair. Um, and then, obviously, middle of May, when we were told, OK, you can go out again, we were thinking, well, great, you know, who's going to want me to come into their house? Who's going to want to go into other people's house? And who's going to let people into their houses? Mm. But to be fair, it was very sensible and there was clearly a pent-up demand for that sort of six or so week period we were, you know, effectively 
you know, restricted. I think that bit between March and May made people reflect a lot about their lifestyle and their change. Yeah, it did feel like, did you thinking, does anyone actually like where they live? <laughs> was it really like All that? Of a sudden, yeah, I was going to say, was it like that? <laughs> it was. It was like, yes, yeah, so seriously, after six weeks, you just decide you don't like your house and do your sort of thing. I suppose it's so. because you're sending 24 hours a day in that house, seven days a week. Yeah. Going, oh, I don't like that, those walls there. I, yeah. I need to move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like the partner I'm with. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, there was a, yeah, <laughs> a few divorce sales. Was, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, no, then, and then it, it started off, you know, and it, it was pent up demand. And then when he made the stamp duty announcement, sort of. Yeah, mid mid late June when it was off the top of my head. Yeah, it was just went crazy, to be honest with you. Absolutely crazy. You know. Yeah, we were doing more valuations and viewing sort of thing. You know. Was, um so yeah, and then obviously, you know, and it's carried on to now, you know, sort of thing. We're obviously now coming to the end of the stamp duty. The mage the main sort of Yeah, finishes in June, does it? Yeah, there's still a little bit up to two fifty to the end of September, but the main discount period is And what do you think is gonna happen with the market then? Do you think it's just gonna go quiet for a bit? Um, obviously, there's been a lot of activities. It's going to it's going to reduce a little bit, but now we are in that busy period anyway. Now, sort of thing. So you know, it, it, it's still there's still different sectors. The sort of three four bed market is still very buoyant. You know, sort of thing. The leasehold properties are you know, as they have been for two or three years now, a bit more tougher sort of thing. But the good thing is the government are now introducing the ten percent mortgages, mm. you know, and also the five percent guarantees scheme they're bringing in now as well so that is how helping the first time buyers whereas last year the first time buyers were pushed out of it really by no one paying any stamp duty and they get and all the banks pull into 10 percent mortgages oh we've gone technical yeah <laughs> it's a whole different podcast <laughs> it's a whole, a whole world of jargon to me because i've never seen it <laughs> you're just life. sitting quietly yeah i'm listening with intent that's what i like Fair so enough. talk us through what's because you don't do the viewing the owners of the house no do no the we offer that as well oh, yeah you do? absolutely so we give people the choice mm-hmm. so what we've just noticed this year a lot more people have actually decided they want to do the viewings themselves because obviously up until you know the restrictions are being lifted now mm-hmm. unfortunately but if you think for the last few months you know people you know, I've had to leave the property, so you know, you no one two households. So I'd be one household, and the people coming around would be one household. So the, the owners would have to go out. Well, that's not too convenient when people are supposed to be working from home. And also, where'd you go? You know, if you you can't just nip out for twenty minutes all the time. So a lot of people say, well, actually, you know, I'm working from home. You know, you know, I've been in my house ten years. You've been in my house half an hour. I know it better than you do, sort of thing, which is. But don't tell them about the nooks and crannies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But so, a lot, yeah, so a lot of them actually prefer to do the movie themselves. You know? So many people have been watching those uh, programs on the telly as well, going, "Oh, I could be the next TV presenter." Home, some of the hammer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> and whereabouts do you work out? What kind of area? So we're based in Fleet, only purely because yeah, you know, I, I, I come live. from Fleet and yeah. grew up in Fleet from young age, sort of thing. But we'll cover, you know, we'll cover anywhere within reason. It all depends on people's situation with viewing. So people. Happy to do the viewings ourselves, then we're not restricted in area at all. But if people, you know, want us to do the viewings, then we're sort of you know, about a 10, 15 mile radius of the Fleet Farm, Brolshop, Camberley, down to Basingstoke, you know, you know, going east and sort of north a little bit, really. OK, and what's your role in it all? Um, so I joined last year, the end of last year, in the mayhem, because uh, it just went crazy, didn't it? You needed staff. <laughs> so he made me an offer I couldn't refuse so yeah no and um, I've bought and sold a few houses in the past so you know kind of thought I knew what, 
roughly what to do. Um, so yeah, I do a bit of everything really. Um, book viewings in, sometimes host the viewings, mainly sales progression. So I spend most of the time liaising with solicitors, um, other estate agents and the public, you know, on who, who you know, a buyer and seller. Um, and then started doing, we've done a little bit of marketing, looking at that a little bit. And um, we've got a lady that does all that shebang for us. Um, yeah, so pretty much everything and anything. The only thing I don't do at the moment is valuations because I need proper training for that. Yeah, that's quite <laughs> that's quite a thing, isn't it? Yeah, I'm kind of getting a good vibe. I mean, I've lived in Churchwickham and Fleet all my life and then Woking, Kingston and Farnborough for, you know, so, so I know, you know, you kind of get a just, don't you, when you've bought and sold houses yourself of, of prices. At the moment, it's... Uh, a minefield to be honest in, in valuations there's so much I think over valuing going on and where there is I suppose a demand issue um, it is a seller's market but you know at the end of the day you still have to get the property through a mortgage valuation and a house is only worth so much and this is something that pulls really up against all the time against other agents because they just seem to be inflating prices through the roof um, and it is, it's difficult because we have a responsibility, I think, to the public. The last thing you want is in three years' time, someone comes to sell their house and they're told, actually, it's 50 grand less than what you bought it for. No one's going to want to be in that boat, are they? And it's only ever worth what somebody's going to pay for it. Well, exactly. Yeah, we have this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, so what's the criteria then? Is it Because obviously you have a, um, a mortgage survey. Mm-hmm. So how do they decide, these surveyors decide how much actually your house is worth? So, yeah, so the, basically they're looking for the surveyors are looking at what they call comparables, but basically comparisons, and that is versus properties of similar style, condition, age, and they want to see evidence of, a, of actually having gone through and completed to actually on-land registry, not just an agent going, oh, yeah, I've sold it for X amount. And they normally want two or three comparisons within the last three to six months, mm. you know, within a quarter mile radius or so sort of thing you know so they can then justify the value of the property they're putting their, their name against sort of thing so you can kind of find that on zoopla <coughs> is that zoopla something like that is that yeah, not zoopla, there's land, yeah there's land registry it's yeah. a better one yeah but a lot of agents a lot of surveyors also ring agents and say oh, i can see you've sold that one has it gone through what demand was it what was the condition of it obviously a lot of it you can see online in terms of photographs and things like that. but we regularly get calls from surveyors saying no you know, that's good we, we're valuing one around the corner we can see you've got a similar one mm. what, you know what have you got for it what's it going like blah, that's blah, blah, good blah, to have so. a nice line then isn't it mm. kind of as an end user you can kind of trust that process yeah so chain chasing then that's what you do oh that's <laughs> the fun part <laughs> <laughs> we love a chain so the shorter the chain the better obviously um i think people are starting to really realize you know it's so stressful buying a house i think we've all been there and um yeah i think you know what makes it more stressful is when there's a lot of properties in the chain there's a lot of other estate agents and you know uh, communication that's one thing that I've always been very good at in my previous jobs um and you know running a business myself in the past communication is key and and that's something I think the industry is really lacking um it's something that we work diligently on but trying to deal with um you know, other agents and finding out where their properties are at in terms of progression. It is, it's a complete minefield. Um, 
you know, the last kind of six months, it's been a nightmare with solicitors. They're completely over-swamped in workloads. Um, we've had to, got to the point where they're actually refusing to take on new clients, which no business ever does because they're just too, there's too much. They're doing, there's too many, you know, too, too many, many clients. Yeah, you can only do so much. Um, so, yeah, it has been quite, quite tricky, actually, um, getting the information you need. But, yeah, I mean, as an example, like, so say um, you've viewed a property through us and you've put an offer in. So what we would then do is then check out, if you're selling a property yourself, we'll phone your agent, check out who your buyer is, and then we go down the chain to every single agent in the chain to get exactly the full picture. Because you often find it's a lot bigger and longer chain than, you know, you've been told. Everyone's like, oh, I've sold to a cash buyer. Oh, no, cash from sale. Oh, yeah, that's completely different. And so are they. And actually, you've got five below you. And they're like, really? So, um, yeah, it's we, we always, you know, that's part of our um, offer process. And then we will also check out the financials. So we will um, not just go off of a mortgage in agreement in principle document. We'll call the mortgage broker and actually verify they've seen pay slips. You know, can they borrow the money? You know, have so you can got, validate what um, yeah. you're being told to your upline. Yeah, because well, to our client, you mm. know, at the end of the day, they're paying us mm. to sell their house, and you know, it happens. You know, not obviously for ourselves, but you get to near exchange, and then you find out actually the buyers can't get the mortgage. The mortgage offer's still not in. Often at the bottom of the chain, and it's because that they haven't checked that they've got the the lending, and then the whole chain will fall apart, and then mm. you need to start. The process all over again so it's so vital to to do that really important checks so have you got a nightmare story you can tell us yeah how, how, how long's the biggest <laughs> chain that you've wow. kind of chased do you think so oh, which one <laughs> i've been doing it for a few months oh yeah, pick a nightmare story <laughs> and oh share dear. it so yeah well there was there was a really um a really difficult one before Christmas. And it, obviously it was coming up to Christmas. Everyone wants to be in their new house before Christmas. Um, I think we had six. Was there six in the chain? It's about five or six. Um, <laughs> so it was a chain. It was in Fleet. Um, I think all the properties... No, they weren't all in Fleet. It was a local area anyway. And um, actually our... Oh, kind of our mortgage offer and everything all got accepted very quickly the one at the top our clients were moving um down to dorset devon way um that all went through as well they were kind of ready so it's kind of you know chasing the bottom um and yeah unfortunately we weren't getting communication or the communication we were getting was incorrect i think is the politically correct way of saying it <laughs> and um, we were finding that the clients you know below were actually calling us and um, we got some really nice testimonials actually from it um but yeah it was very stressful um I found it quite stressful because it was probably one of my first chains I worked on and you know I was getting very emotional clients calling because it was getting to the point where they were like where do I order my Christmas food delivery to is it going to be to the new address or the old address you know what and I was like I don't know because obviously you know until the solicitors are all ready and and we'd got this problem resolved at the bottom of the chain um I, I didn't have a crystal ball so I couldn't tell them and it was you know trying to manage people's expectations and emotions I think 
you know, in that, you know, everyone wants to move into their new house. There's so many things. Often you get people that need to sort out schools. Mm. You know, it's, it's so much really, more than just chain chasing, isn't it? Yeah, You're managing people's next yeah, stage of life. Definitely. And, you know, I, I had it myself. We relocated um, down to Ringwood a couple of years ago from Farnborough. Um, and, you know, again, it was, uh, you know, right up until the bone of when, you know, I couldn't apply for schools, then couldn't get the school I wanted, then it did, you know. And it is there's so many things you have to organise. Um, and again, communication is the key. Like, if, if you, and, and we can only pass on what we, we get. Mm. So, yeah, we spend most of the time on the phone, don't we? We love a chat. It's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) You're in the right place. (laughs) It's amazing the amount of people that either, you know, getting married and then we're moving house or they're pregnant and moving house. Or in one. Do all three together and get out of the way, I reckon. Let alone then the divorces, which can also be an interesting... Within the same month. Yeah, yeah, which can be an interesting one when you've got... And they're not talking to each other through... So you're kind of like counselling, facilitator-type people as well. I think when you've been there, though, it's it's actually... You can relate to it. Mm. So, yeah, I've been through quite a messy one myself recently so um i do have quite a lot of sympathy and you know and also so many people don't have a clue like they might they probably haven't sold a house for years you know or they may have never bought a house and then also in a divorce and you know one of the key questions i always say to them is you know we we will never agree for them to chain into two so you you know if you say you've got a split and then they're both going to buy on separately then you end up with two chains no, you can't do that. It's just not, it's mess, so messy. Um, and then it's also, you know, have you actually agreed through your legal entity how, how you're splitting the money? Because people don't think about that. And you sell the house and then what, what happens? Money's sitting there. Yeah, well, and also something they might not agree to sign at the last minute because they haven't agreed who's getting what money. So you can then hold up everyone else in the chain. So there's a lot of things that I think not all, you know, it's how you manage it properly. And, and help people to work there. So on a good on a good day, <laughs> <laughs> from start to finish, how long's the process? Would you say? What for buying a house? Yeah, I'd say really roughly. How long is a piece of shit? I just bought a house actually myself. It took five weeks. Yeah, my last house I yeah. bought and moved in within the month. Yeah. So, but that was end of chain. Mm. I was in rented. I had an amazing solicitor um, who literally just pushed it through. And obviously I was pushing it through myself. Um, I think the estate agent got the easiest sale they've ever had. They didn't have to really do anything. So, um, but yeah, I'd say, I mean, they say normally it's like eight, 12 weeks, mm. eight to 12 weeks. Yeah, is it the depends on the length of chain. Yeah. yeah. It really depends because obviously the thing we've got at the moment with COVID, um, which, you know, regulations is that you are not allowed to offer a viewing unless someone's proceedable. So unless you're actually under offer yourself or a no-chain buyer, you can't even look at properties or you shouldn't be. We know that it's happening, mm. but you're not supposed to. And so then, you know, you could sell and how, you know, because there's not a lot of properties on at the moment, you know, it could take someone ages for the right property to come on. So it, it can be, I would say, you know, I would say maybe four, six, four to six weeks would be the shortest possible time. It's a minefield, um, isn't it? And then with the added, with the COVID um, mm. issues, it's, you it have should to have also, a dexterous mind. It also been out of the highest offer is not always the best offer. That's, you know, it's been oh, like, okay. Tell not, us about that one then. 
Well, when you when you depending on the chain. So if you were fortunate enough to have more than one offer, and then you're looking at two offers, you know, and you're checking both chains out. You know, if someone's comes in at one price, but they're in a chain of four, you know, then someone else is in a no chain, renting flexible, and a slightly less. And it's us to present that and go through the detail to say, actually, you know, this might be a thousand pound less, two thousand, whatever. But actually, the risk element, you're in a longer chain here, it will take longer. There's there's far more things that may go wrong that we can't control. You know, if you're selling and you're in a chain and someone's selling a property in Manchester and they decide, for whatever reason, the person in Manchester is not moving, mm. it's like a pack of cards, you know, and we're all saying in Hampshire and the whole lot's gone, collapsed. There's a massive science behind that. And we thing. can't control it. You know, mm. at the end of the day. So that's where also we, you know, might be saying actually we've done one. We did one a couple of weeks ago. Week last week was it? So we had two offers, and we decided actually one for, one for slightly less because of the risk element sort of thing. You know, they wanted it sold. I think it was going into a home off the lady. It was going at yeah, the end of chain empty. Yeah. They wanted the care home fees. They wanted it quickly done rather than for an extra number of bit, little bit more money but far more greater risk and probability. So this is where your experience comes in. Oh, to, yeah, that's, 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 yeah, that's, that's what we exactly offer. That's exactly it. Yeah, that's what we, yeah. That's our, it's yeah, not all service. about the money. <coughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think it depends on people's situation as well. Like some people, they need the maximum money because they're trying to upsize. Whereas other people, if it's like, say, a probate as an example, you know, it's quite emotional. They're selling the parent's house or whatever. Um, they just want it to be like a quick and pain-free as possible. Um, so they might take a couple of grand less if it's a chain-free buyer. Um, I think it just depends. I think it's a whole load of different scenarios. Every, yeah. every, every sale is a different scenario. Which yeah. makes it interesting work as well, doesn't yeah. it? Oh, yeah, yeah. And to meet yeah. the different personalities you come across. Yeah. Buzz Talk Business. Business talking to you about the real stories and connecting real with people with real life. So, um, so five top tips about running an estate agency, or not necessarily running an estate agency, about what um, a customer needs to do customer needs to do so yeah. we're considering an agent sort of thing. yeah um firstly advertising key one is you know not all agents advertise in, in all the websites you'd be surprised sometimes some of them don't advertise on some of the leading london websites um the quality of the details the photographs are absolutely crucial people are searching online nowadays it takes somewhere between three and six seconds and the majority of people go photographs, floor plan, description. So, you know, people buy with their eyes. People are impatient, lazy and cynical nowadays. They want everything about half an hour ago, generally sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, photographs, you know, so we always say to people, you know, if you're, most people are looking at two or three different agents, you know, often sort of thing, go on, look at the agents, you know, look how they're advertising their properties, look at their photographs, look at their detail, the description, the floor plan. That's how your property will be looking. You know, and if they go and look at it, you know, you know, pick a couple they're selling. And if the photographs are rubbish and it's, you know, untidy and then done this and it's clearly been rushed and the photographs don't make any sense and it just says picture one, picture three, picture four, that's how yours will be presented. You know, you know, it's such a key thing. And to get it right at the start, you know, a lot of agents do something and then they'll add some more photographs a week later and all that. You only get one chance of going live on the market, you know, sort of thing. So, um, so yeah, advertising, photograph, detail, description, and also, which is what Beth touched on, is the sales progression. You know, it's the biggest, you know, yeah, well, it's our, my biggest cost in the day of advertising and marketing, but it's the hidden 
you know, no one ever sees because quite often people go, oh, the agent turned up, took some photographs, brought someone around Saturday, made an offer and it cost me thousands of pounds. Mm. What goes on in the background, all the calls, the sales profession and the chasing, whereas the cost that the public don't see, they only ever see that person who comes around to the house and shake them around. Exactly, and the smooth running of the whole operation, which is exactly down yeah. to you, Beth. Yeah. Well, I think also a lot of um, the larger estate agencies actually, all, all their sales progression is done through call centres which probably the public don't have a clue about. Um, I won't name which ones, but there is what I'm saying. That's interesting. That because you wouldn't think at all. Um, and, and they don't have a clue. And they only chase once a week. Like, we just chase ad hoc when it needs to be done. So I might call one sister every day until I've actually got an update. Mm. So it's like a personalised service. Yeah. It's, I'd say we're fully flexible and personalised. I have to say, what you said is quite enlightening, and I thought I knew a bit. <laughs> well, I've learned some bits today. Yeah. Well, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Guys, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Buzz Talk Business. Fancy being part of our next discussion? Then get in touch by emailing us at info at buzzpodcasts.co.uk and find out more of our conversation at buzzpodcasts.co.uk. 